Welcome to the Underrepresented in Tech podcast, hosted by Michelle Frechette and Ali Nimmons. Underrepresented in Tech is a free database built with the goal of helping people find new opportunities in WordPress and tech overall. Welcome to our next episode of the Underrepresented in Tech podcast. Usually I start by saying, hi, Allie, but Allie's not here today. Instead, I'm going to oh. say, hi, hi, Cammie. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm not Allie. You are I'm not. I'm doing well. You, I've I'm missed so Allie. Excited. I'm so excited <laughs> you're here. Allie is moving this week. So she is in the process of packing up, changing apartments, and I couldn't think of a better person to fill her shoes this week than ask Cami Chaos from Automatic to come and uh, be my guest on the Underrepresented in Tech podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Well, I'm great. I, I'll tell I'll tell your viewers what I told yeah. you. I am functioning within adequate guidelines right now, um, which when you're answering public question kind of tends to segue just oh no I'm great I'm great I'm fine but hi Michelle I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be talking to you I know I love that anytime I message you I'm like hey I have something I'd like you to work with me on you're like yes I'm in what can I do and I'm like (laughs) what is it don't care I I love working with you on just anything so I'm so excited when you were like yeah sure I'll do that So we're super excited to have you here this week. Um, One of the things, one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you is because you have changed positions um, at work. So tell us a little about about, like where you were, where you are now and what you do. Cool. As Michelle said in Cami Chaos, uh, that's my name. That's how you say it. (laughs) Uh, Previously, for the last eight years, I was a community contributor in the WordPress project. And I was part of the team overseeing WordCamps and meetups and uh, helping organizers and speakers, volunteers, attendees, be their best present selves at the events and have those events be the best events they could be. Uh, During the pandemic, things shifted significantly. And it turns out I don't like in-person events or I don't like online events very much. I love in-person events. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of a struggle for me to continue. So I started looking around to see if there was something else I could be doing uh, that would still help WordPress and help the world be a better place. Mm-hmm. And I wound up staying with Automatic. I was a sponsored contributor to the WordPress community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed with Automatic as my employer. And I moved to their talent division where I'm working on talent acquisition operations. So I'm not directly acquiring any of the talent myself. Um, I'm making the operations go around so that all of our hardworking recruiters and specialists and hiring managers can get the work done to hire people. Um, But within that, I am also specifically overseeing DEI for talent. Uh, So I am making sure that we have everything that we can have available to us within reason and that we are doing everything with the tools that we can to make automatic a more diverse, equitable and inclusive space. And that is what DEI stands for. It is. So that's why I like this. I like to, I like to get it out there. Right. I like out how you there. Snuck, it, snuck it right in there. I love that. Because <laughs> like, I was like thinking, oh, and, and what does the, oh, she got it already. She told me. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. what, what is this episode about, Michelle? It's about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So when you lead um, a team or you're part of the, the leadership team of recruiting and talent acquisition, 
how do you like what are some of the tips that you can give somebody as far as how do you make sure that DEI is part of what you do when you are acquiring new talent? The first thing I would say is that it cannot be an afterthought or an assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take a company and it's a small company, let's take a five person company uh, and you hire four of your friends because you are working on this project together, it is likely that you have just created a homogenous group of people. Mm-hmm. Now they might not all look the same and they might not all think the same, but they all have something in common to tie them together. And it is likely that that will be a homogenous group. That those five, so for the sake of argument, I'm gonna say those five homogenous individuals are straight white male developers based in the United States. That sounds now, there like are, a familiar story. That That is a familiar <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a straight white male developer based in the United States. I happen to know plenty of them. Lovely people. Yes. Uh, that being said, should they be building the future of the Internet for everyone? Should they be doing anything for everyone? No, because that's right. one perspective. Uh, and as they start to look for more roles that they need to fill, they're immediately going to start propagating those uh, applicants that they're most comfortable with, that they know that are within their group. And so it grows, but it doesn't grow more diverse. It grows in size and not in diversity. So when you start hiring, you have to acknowledge, oh, I only know what I know. And you have to seek out how you can best bring in people from other disciplines, from other parts of the world with different skin colors, different genders, different orientations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Differently, not, I hate the phrase differently abled, but you need disabled Mm -hmm. people just as well Mm -hmm. as you need standard abled people. Mm -hmm. We overlook that the world isn't populated by the kind of person who's building a project or a product. And so when you start to branch out, you have to first acknowledge diversity does not exist in a vacuum. As a single human individual, I am not diverse. I am exactly like myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if I started a company and I brought on four of my closest friends, it would probably be a bunch of underrepresented women in technology. (laughs) Um, And then within our company, we would cease to be underrepresented. We would still be underrepresented in the in technology as a whole, right? Um, mm-hmm. So then you you start looking at, do you actively seek out a person who you know is different from you and say, hey, do you want this job? Mm-hmm. Is this something that you're interested in? Is this something that you have thought about? Or you reach out to someone who you see has solved a problem elsewhere. And you're like, wow, I really like the way you solved that problem. I never would have thought of it. So if you're a five-person company and you're recruiting on a super tiny scale, it's a lot of personal touchstones because you're still wanting to have that sense of familiarity with your company. When you grow and you're like a 2,000-person company, chances are you're still going to be relatively homogenous and that's sad. And Mm -hmm. that is counterproductive and it's something that we need to get away from. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to do that even more intentionally. You have to do that by actively recruiting people in leadership that do not represent the people you already have. So usually that means representing or recruiting women or BIPOC individuals into Mm -hmm. positions of leadership 
or into technical roles, because that's where we have a lot, uh, we see a lot of that lacking. So you use tools and I am not gonna recommend any single tool, but I'm gonna tell you that there are so many DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion hiring tools on the market that you cannot open your door without seeing one, your virtual internet door. All you do is type in DEI tools for hiring. Um, but it comes rolled into some things. And LinkedIn is something that I want to talk about. LinkedIn mm -hmm. can give you great sources if you look for the right groups, if you look for the right uh, folks to recruit, if you share your message broadly and have other people share it, that's going to be a really great way. Um, but that's all very nebulous. So I wanted to give you a couple of things, practical things that you can start right away if you're looking um, to hire more diverse individuals for your company. Mm -hmm. If you'd like. I would love that. Okay. So one of the things that we highly recommend, we being me, I don't know why I suddenly became the queen. <laughs> The royal way, one of the things I would yes. highly recommend, and this has been recommended to me by DEI experts more than once, and I've seen mm -hmm. it uh, work out, is when you first open a role, you do not look at anybody who looks like people that are standard within your company. So you would mm -hmm. specifically say, I'd like to see if we can hire a woman for this role. I'd like to see if we can uh, hire a black person for this role. I'd like to see if we can hire an indigenous person for this role. Whatever it is mm -hmm. that you're like, we have none of this and we need that perspective. Mm -hmm. you start to look on LinkedIn or whatever your other sourcing platforms are. And mm -hmm. you only look at people who fall into that uh, niche of mm -hmm. humanity. Right. Uh, you don't even consider anyone else. Later, you start to consider other things and you start mm -hmm. to look at them. But for the first four hours, they get nothing. Um, okay. And it's a really, really valuable way to make sure that you are looking at people that you wouldn't normally include. Another way that you can be more inclusive and bring in a more diverse pool for hiring is by saying, hey, we need to be more diverse and inclusive. You can actually call it out. Uh, I find as a woman, even if I am an expert at something, I often don't think I'm qualified for whatever. Like you asked me today to talk about DEI and hiring, and I was like, I'm going to say yes, because it's Michelle, but what am I going to talk about? <laughs> I don't know anything about DE&I. Uh, yeah, you do. on, brain? <laughs> um, and I was like, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm an okay person to talk to. Like, I have to pump myself up to be like, I'm totally mm -hmm. qualified. Um, and that's not, I'm relatively new to this. I've been doing it. I've been doing it unofficially um, for years within the WordPress community. And now mm -hmm. I just actually get to do it for work work and it's a little different but reach out and say hey we're looking for people who fall into these groups we're looking for more women leaders we're looking for more BIPOC leaders we're looking for people with different skill sets we're looking for people who haven't necessarily gotten a master's degree in something we're looking like we don't need you to have a doctorate in internet theory um <laughs> because there, there are studies, but a white man will apply for a job. So say a job has like five primary things that a man would need to do. A white man typically would apply for it if he ticks even one of those boxes. Mm -hmm. um, whereas anyone from an underrepresented group is likely to look at that. And if they don't tick all five boxes, they're like, no, I'm not qualified. Right. Um, so we don't have to invite, we don't have to invite a straight white programming man 
to apply for a job. If he wants to apply for that job, he will. But we right. do need to invite we do need to invite people from underrepresented groups and say, hey, no, we see you. Um, and seeing them is just the start, obviously. But if you don't mm-hmm. see people, you can't right. engage with them. Right. Uh, and then one other thing that I just forgot. It went on my brain and it looked like you were going to ask a question. So you go. (laughs) Let me ask this question. Maybe it'll make you think of it too. So when you want to invite somebody to apply for a position, how do you do that without also implying that they're a shoe in or that you're going to, that they're automatically going to be awarded a position? So I think of that all the time. Like even when I invite somebody to apply to speak at at one of our events, right? Then Mm -hmm. just because I'm inviting you to apply to speak doesn't mean that we're going to love your topic. Doesn't mean that you're automatically selected. So how do you make that invitation without implying an automatic hire. So I'm not a recruiter, so I'm not going to go into too much of the specifics of it, but that Mm -hmm. is essentially what recruiters are trained to do. I would always just be super careful with your language. It's the same as when I've had the same invite speakers to apply issue before in the past, you invite someone Mm -hmm. to apply and they assume that they are going to be speaking. Um, And so you talk about what you see in them that could be useful for the role. You talk about what your company culture is like, and you invite them very specifically. I would invite you to imply, we would love you to apply um, and never use anything past the word apply, apply <laughs> because it is, it, it is, it does, it's too leading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and it didn't make just... me think of the other thing. Okay. Oh, No, no. Go ahead, please. Okay. So one of the other things that we talk about a lot is tokenization. And Mm -hmm. it's very easy for people to feel tokenized if like they look and see that like you're a company of five cis, you know, white, straight, cis. White, straight, cis. Programming. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, I'm a woman or, oh, I'm a BIPOC. I'm your token application. I'm your token hire. How... And I think, you know, language has a lot to do with it, but how do you make sure that somebody feels comfortable enough to apply that they're not being tokenized and that you really do value any um, perspective that they can bring to the job? That's when you start to look at inclusion and equity and another letter that we haven't talked about today, which is the letter B, belonging. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have all your hiring processes, all your recruiting processes to reach out to people, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to feel comfortable. And so again, it is about, some of it's about intention and it's about saying, hey, we know that we're not doing a great job at diversity right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what we are looking to build. You might be a part of it. I am one of those women, I've been a part of the startup community in Portland, Oregon for a long time and the open source community, not so much these past few years, but my history before I started um, heavily getting involved in WordPress was that. And I was one of the women who would go to tech events so that if another woman showed up, she wouldn't be alone. And I cannot count the number of events that I sat at as the only woman. Mm-hmm. Um And sometimes I wasn't even wanted there. I mean, like, let's be blunt. Sometimes you're not wanted. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that if someone else was brave enough to show up, that we would be there. And that's how you start to build belonging. Mm -hmm. You show up. And if you are a straight white cis programming man and you want to build diversity without tokenism, you have to do more work than someone else might have to do. Mm -hmm. You can't just be like, okay, well, let's find a woman to do it for us. Um, Let's find a black person to do this for us. 
Mm-hmm. Make it easier. They know what they're talking about. That's actually the exact wrong thing to do because then you're putting the emotional labor mm-hmm. of diversity on the people who are already suffering from a lack of diversity mm-hmm. in the workplace in the first place. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a vicious circle. Like mm-hmm. I, you, I gave, you, you have to go ahead. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, I gave a talk recently at work at Montclair where I talked about the fact that, you know, we talk about making room at the table and mm-hmm. like the very last thing I said is, but surprise, the table is fictitious. We can make it as big as we need to. It's not yeah. like you have to get rid of somebody to bring somebody else to the table, I, notwithstanding budget issues. And I, I mean, I get right. all of that. Right. But yeah. but realistically, you can bring people in and not have them have to start at the bottom if they're overqualified for that. They can start at the top. They can you can mm-hmm. you don't have to squish all together. It's a fictitious table. Just make it bigger. That is that you bring up another really good point is when we look at hiring for people, sometimes people don't apply for the right role in the first place. Mm, very true. Um, and having a system to track really great candidates who come in but aren't, aren't perfect for the role that they have applied for or aren't, weren't the right fit or just there was some other absolutely stellar candidate mm-hmm. that came out for the same role that just ticked every box, both literatively and literatively. <laughs> literally and they could, don't talk to me on Mondays what was I thinking I know me um, too <laughs> but um having a system in place to hold those individuals in reserve or to reach out th- or be able to just reach out to them and have an open conversation um mm-hmm. I did remember the other thing I wanted to say it's not from a recruiting standpoint but it's more about what you're doing when you're hiring people uh, I know I'm not alone in this in going, okay, this is what makes me feel different about myself. I look at a website and I look at the, uh, who works there and I go and see how many women are there and what their roles are. And I have black friends who do that every time they apply for a company or even think about applying for a company, they go and they count. They just look at faces. Um, we as an industry aren't going to be releasing a bunch of private information about people. So those photographs, are kind of the closest you can get sometimes. Um, and if you want to make people feel comfortable or if you want to show what really is happening internally in the com- company, that's a really good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also on the bringing folks in, when you you can have you can have programs, you could have a returnship program where you go and look predominantly, I'm talking about moms who stopped working went and did the whole mom thing. I'm, I'm a great example of this. I didn't work for eight years as I was raising my daughter um, and then came back and was like, I don't even know what skills I used to have, let alone if I still have them. So building a returnship program for people who've been out of work to up-level their skills and help them find a, an entry point into your company is going to reap great rewards for you. Um, another thing that you can look at is mentorship for applicants um, and for Mm -hmm. candidates. If you bring someone in as a candidate and they identify as an underrepresented group, does your company have an ERG, an employee resource group that works specifically Mm -hmm. with that kind of person? Um, So we've got women's ERGs, we've got Cocomatic, which is the black ERG, we've got our LGBTQIA ERG, we've got ERGs Mm -hmm. coming out of our ears. And if you can leverage those to make people who are applying feel welcome and comfortable, not only do they have a better experience, but oftentimes some of the things that might hold them up in an, in a process of hiring is something that you can talk them through and it's no longer a problem. Um, and so 
something that might have been a weakness can be turned into a strength. That's that's a really good point. Um, I think that's super important. Uh, when I joined GiveWP four and a half years ago, I was the only woman on the st- on the team at that point in time. Then I was charged to hire somebody. Guess what? I hired a woman. <laughs> yeah, you did. And within yeah. another month, we'd hired a third woman, and all three of us yeah. are still with the primary company. So, uh, because you get you do you have this opportunity to have mentors and kindredness within the company. And that gives you an opportunity, it gives you somebody to talk to if things aren't going well. It gives you somebody to rejoice with if things are going well, because it's somebody that you feel you have an affinity with automatically. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to just boost what you just said and, and add to it that that is informal in so many companies. And if you can make it more formal and say, no, part of your job is being an ambassador for others who come into this space and showing them what we want to be and how we Mm -hmm. function and how they can be safe and how if it doesn't feel right, they can say something. Um, Make it formal and make it a part of your company's DNA rather than just a thing that there's like Mm -hmm. three cool people in the company that you can go to. Make it so that the whole company understands and has to respect that. Yeah, I think that that's great. We had an unofficial little... Like every time we would hire a new woman, we'd start our own little private Slack group, like group chat. Yeah. And finally, I said, yeah. why don't we have an actual channel where we're not having to continually remake new group chats? And so we did. Yeah. We started, you know, the give women of give. And it was, you know, we didn't mm-hmm. have any non-binary people at the time. We would have included them, of course. Um, but there were three mm-hmm. of us. And then there were four of us. There were five of us, that kind of thing. And we kept that going, which was a fun little place to just share the the you know, bad hair Monday or whatever, like we felt like doing. And it felt like it was so, um, you know, estrogen filled. It didn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So one of the things um, that, that, you know, when you talk about recruiting, especially I have heard people say, like I say to somebody, you know, you don't have any diversity in your company. Well, the application is there. They're just not applying. Okay. So the first thing is, Never refer to a group of underrepresented people as they, because that is just othering and it's terrible use of language. But that aside, just having an application out there is not enough if you really, truly want diversity and inclusion within your company. So that's why we have about that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your two cents on that? Uh, One of my least favorite things ever in the history of the world is when someone says, I can't help who applies. I've heard this from so many WordCamps. I can't Mm -hmm. even start. And if you feel like you're being called out, please, you're not. It's not you alone. Literally hundreds of WordCamp organizers have told me I cannot help who applies. And yes, you can. You can help who applies. And here's how. We've got programs within the WordPress community And just like that help people from underrepresented groups level up their skills if they don't feel like their skills are already at the level that they need to be. Uh, If their skills are at the level that they need to be, we've got got programs that will help you find places to speak. Michelle can tell you all about those. (laughs) We've got got programs that'll help you find places to work, Um, but Mm -hmm. it's still on the organizers and the people doing the hiring to say, hey, this needs to be an inclusive space. And that means checking your language for inclusivity. There are bots on the internet that'll do this for you. When you write up a job Mm -hmm. description, 
chances are you're writing it with a person in mind. And we're taught to write that way for business, right? We're taught to go, Mm -hmm. who's your ideal year for this blog post? Who's your ideal candidate for this role? And really zero in on them in your mind. And if you close your eyes and you're thinking about someone who looks like you, you need to be writing a different description. Mm -hmm. Um, And so use one of the tools online to help you review that, make sure that your language isn't discriminatory, make sure that you're not asking any discriminatory questions, or if you are asking questions that someone might feel, if you're asking demographic questions and you feel someone might be uncomfortable with that, you super transparent about why you're asking. Mm -hmm. If you say, I want to know your gender, it has a completely different feeling then I would like to know your pronouns. Pronouns and gender are not the same thing, but most of the time they're nowhere near the same thing. But most of the time when people ask for one or the other, they just want to know if you're a man or a woman. Right. And we need to add in between. We need to add, like we need to get to the place as a society that we can say, are you a man or are you a woman or are you non-binary? Or we need to get past the point where it matters. But the fact of the matter is, is that women and non-binary people are so hideously underrepresented that we're nowhere near the place that it doesn't matter. Right. Um, And so just think about the language you're using. Think about what you're asking. If you're not sure why you're asking a question, don't ask it. If you don't (laughs) actually need someone who has a degree, don't say you need someone who has a degree. If you want it, it, you, you, you need to ask for what you actually want to see Mm -hmm. in the role for what you actually, not, not what you want, what you need to see in the role, Mm -hmm. because the more qualifications you set on a specific role, the Mm -hmm. more you are blocking people out and you could be losing a really truly amazing human that would just fundamentally change your entire company for the better. Mm -hmm. But you said you wanted someone with a college degree, or you said you needed someone with 10 years of experience. I was doing some research last year, so I do look, I don't want people to think I'm looking for a job because I'm very happy where I am, but I do look at applications across Mm -hmm. industry for underrepresented tech to just to kind of gather what's out there. And I came across a company last year that had, they asked for a photo, they asked for your date of birth. And both of those things caused can cause discrimination in hiring, right? Now they were not a U.S. company, so they were I was going to say I'm pretty sure that's illegal, but yeah, it, not a U.S. It is, company. It okay. is illegal in the United States, but it was it's yeah. not illegal around the world. But it is Wait. it does set yourself up for charges against discrimination because if I submit and I'm yeah. a woman and I'm especially if I'm an overweight woman or if I'm a black person or you know whatever it is, I could say, oh, I didn't get hired because they saw my picture, or yeah. like my date of birth ends in 1968 people be like oh damn she's too old for that position right so there's all there's awesome opportunities and and i actually asked the company why they did that like oh we need that for the hiring paperwork i said then ask for it when you hire them yeah don't ask for it when they apply exactly you've been offered the position you don't need all of that you are you are wiggling into one of my favorite topics with within diversity, equity, and inclusion, though, which is intersectionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like your viewers know what intersectionalism is, but just we'll go ahead and your say listeners, your listeners, um, <laughs> we're no, no single person is one thing in and of themselves. And so when, when we talk about intersectionalism, I'm going to use feminism as an example, because mm-hmm. it's something that's really talked about, we're not talking about just being women, we're talking about bringing all of our identities to the table. And so being an intersectional feminist is someone who supports 
women, regardless of their gender, regardless of their pronouns, regardless of their birth status, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their caste, regardless like anything else. It's just uplifting women and people who identify as women and often as non-binary individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what Michelle was talking about, she, she said, I'm a woman, I'm overweight and my birth year ends in 68. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not worried about one of those things. She's worried about all three of those things. All three of those things are enough to set people off. And mm-hmm. and I have the exact same thing when I apply for something. I'm like, oh, I mean, not the exact thing. I have my own little groups and pockets, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's scary to be othered in one way. But most people are othered in so many ways. Multiple ways, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's something that's also important to keep in mind. You cannot hold someone's identity within a box Mm -hmm. one of the interesting things that came up with somebody else i was speaking to this year was this person has a ptsd around a hiring practice where they were completely discriminated against and basically terrorized in the situation and now they are absolutely terrified of having um interviews like mm-hmm. face-to-face speaking interviews. And I think there must be positions where that's really just not necessary. Where where you can get a body of work, you can get everything you need through email, through, you know, direct messaging without actually having to terrify somebody to be on screen or in-person interview. And so I think there should be ways. Absolutely, there are times when that is a non, you know, th- that's not possible. Yeah. Um, right. You know, there are positions for which that's not possible, but but there might be a position within your company where somebody who is such an introvert or has had a past traumatic experience is terrified to apply just because they don't want to have to put themselves through that. Consider whether that's even really necessary. I'm just going to put that out there, too. You're diving into one of the other topics that is something I don't know enough about, but that I'm really learning a lot about right now, which is in, which is specifically around neurodiversity in hiring. Uh, we terrorize, we terrorize the neurodiverse. I'm mm-hmm. speaking as a neurodiverse individual myself, we terrorize the neurodiverse. And as a neurodiverse person, you often grow up thinking, well, that's just the way it is. Right. That's how it's gotta be. I'm terrified of that, but I'm gonna have to figure out how to do it. Now, sometimes you are gonna have to figure out how to do it depending on what you're seeking in life, what role you're looking for. But really how how often is talking to someone face-to-face and being polished a part of someone's job. Um, If your job is going to be doing support via text and writing, why do you have to be personable on camera? Why do you have to be personable in person? Mm -hmm. Um, As I said, this is a, this is an area of study that I do not know enough about. I'm currently looking for a speaker to, Mm -hmm. uh, to do some work with us to not just help me learn more, but help, others within my company learn more as well um but this goes to how you act like how you present things right so Mm -hmm. when you write up that job description that you want someone to fill that's the right time to start also thinking about what the interview process is going to be like Mm -hmm. now while you can't necessarily change what it's going to be like i can say that there's something that a lot of people don't do that would be really helpful if we started making it a, a larger part of the hiring process and that is just spelling out the expectations incredibly clearly like I will use 
such a huge, easy comparison between applying to speak and applying to get a job. So I'm going to use that when I apply to speak at an event and I'm accepted. Uh, or even if I'm going to apply to speak, let's just take the application. When you look at the application, a great application, a great call for papers is going to tell you exactly what they want to know. We want to know your name. We want to know your biography. We want to know what your expertise is. We want to know if you've spoken before. We want to know what your talk is going to be about. And they might write back with questions. And if you get that speaking gig, they're going to give you all the information that you need to be successful as a speaker because it's important for them as well. So they're going to tell you where you need to be and when they're going to tell you if there's going to be rehearsal, there's going to, if we could normalize doing that for jobs as well. So, okay, this is the application process. You send us an application. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to review it. And then we're going to get back to you and let you know if we would like to have an interview. If you get to the interview, this is what the interview format is going to be like. And these are the five questions that we're going to ask you. Now, some people are like, you can't tell them what questions you're going to ask. They can make stuff up. People can make stuff on the spot. It doesn't matter. If you tell people what questions you're going to ask, if they're a person who does not feel comfortable answering questions on the spot, they will have time to look at their own experiences. It's not going to make more people lie to you. Um, you can do the same thing if you if your company hires with trial projects or um, through a contract work, lay out for them exactly what it is. And to the best of your ability, what benchmarks you're looking for within the project work and let them know like when they apply, what the entire hiring process is going to look like. Because if they're not comfortable with it, they haven't wasted hours and hours and hours of their life mm -hmm. applying for a job that is never going to work for them. And if they are okay with it, but it's going to take a little bit of it, I have to pump myself up before. I mean, I've known Michelle for years and I still had to be like, it's okay. It's just a podcast. It's all fine. We're just going to have a conversation. And they still messaged her beforehand to be like, is there anything I need to know? Um, uh, and even yeah. if she had told me what I needed to know, I'd still ask her anyway, because it's just how I am. But we don't, sure. people don't have the, like, I can ask her. You can't necessarily ask the person who is potentially hiring you. Can you lay right. everything out for me in detail? Because I'm an anxious individual and I will do better if I know. You should be able to tell them that, but you can't. Um, right. And so, yeah, if you take that step of confusion out for people, I think it is incredibly beneficial, but it's not something that people do frequently enough. I I, I love that idea, though, and I'm going to put it out there uh, for everybody else's make it as clear as possible. And, I, you know, I'm also not too good on the rabbit hole of this, but I think it's great if you can put salary range out there, too, so that people know what they I agree, whether or not they have the ability or they, they have the ability to work for you based on the salary yeah. that you can offer them. You know, there's nothing worse than going through hours and hours of prep and two to three to however many um, you know, in-person or on, on screen applications only to discover yeah. that it's half the salary that you're making now, you know, I mean, yep. when I worked in education, I had that experience more than once and it was just, yeah. just so dis disheartening. So, and I, I can say that if I understand that there are some companies who don't feel comfortable doing that for mm -hmm. reasons. And sure. if you don't feel comfortable putting that right out on the ad, make sure that you make a note that says that you can discuss what the salary is going to be and discuss it privately with them before they get too far into it or just say, please send us your salary expectations. I don't want to have to do that. I just want to know how much you're willing to pay me exactly. in an ideal world. That would be how it works. But if you can't do that, make sure you leave room for the conversation because mm -hmm. there's nothing worse than Michelle. Well, there's a lot of things worse than, but right. <laughs> it's, it is it's very okay. troubling it's when you've gone experience. through an entire yeah. process. 
right? And then find out that they're valuing you at half of what you're currently being paid. This has been amazing. I would love to have you back another time to discuss half the things that we didn't even get to today. So we'll definitely put that in the agenda for another day. Um, I'd love that. But I want to, I do want to value your time today and, and wrap things up. Is there any last word or last bit of advice or um, cami word of wisdom that you'd like to share with us before we sign off for this event? My, my big cami request is stop making underrepresented people do the emotional labor to make the world a better place. Absolutely. If, if you have, yeah, if you have a position of power, leverage that power to, to do good for people who don't have that power themselves, please. Inclusion is everybody's <laughs> responsibility. Absolutely. Especially, Absolutely. Pri- especially those with privilege. Especially the privileged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will be back next week with Allie Nimmons again. So, but I do want to thank you so much, Cami, for being my guest today and allowing me to pick your brain on all the good stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's always delightful. We'll see everybody later. This episode was sponsored by the following companies. WP Wallet. WP Wallet is a free, simple, intelligent tool that helps WordPress professionals effortlessly manage all of their license keys and invoices for all sites and clients. Never forget a renewal, lose a license key, or miss out on a reimbursement again. Join WP Wallet for free today. LearnDash. LearnDash is taking cutting-edge e-learning methodology and infusing it into WordPress. More than just a plugin, LearnDash is trusted to power the learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, entrepreneurs, and bloggers worldwide. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, using our database, or just want to say hi, go to underrepresentedintech.com. See you next week.